Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. We are six months into the year. We've made it to the midway point. We've made it to the halfway point. Anybody else excited that we've made it this far? Amen. Let's celebrate the fact that we made it this far. Turn to the person closest to you, and I want you to say this. Say, I've had ups and downs, smiles and frowns, but we made it. Amen, amen, amen. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say this to yourself. Make it personal this time. Say it to yourself. In the old church, you used to say it all the time. Say this. Say, self, God didn't bring me this far to leave me here. Don't stop now. And that's how we should be living our lives. This is what we should be saying to ourselves. Don't stop now. Even though that person cut you off this morning, flipped you to number one, and it wasn't the index finger, don't stop now. But this is, this is how we should be living our lives. This is how, don't stop. Even though it may have been a rough week, don't stop now. Even though things aren't going the way you wanted to, don't stop Now, because God didn't bring you this far to leave you here. Don't stop now. Today, I want to remind you of some things God placed on your heart. I want to remind you of the things God put in your heart at the beginning of this year. Because some of us had dreams. Some of us envisioned where we were going to go. God showed us how he was going to use us, how he was going to walk through us, or or use our gifts to walk through his word and walk through the city and change the world. But now we're saying to ourselves, since we're six months in, you know, the beginning was good. Everything at the beginning was good. It was gravy. Can y'all tell I like to eat? It was good. It was gravy. But now all of a sudden, it seems like what was going good isn't good anymore. All of a sudden, it seems like what God showed me doesn't look like what I'm seeing. And I mean, I was walking in purpose, doing what God called me to do. I was doing, doing, doing what he led me to do. But all of a sudden, things begin to turn. Anybody ever felt like that? And whether you want to admit it or not, we've all felt like this sometime or another. Things were going good at one point, then all of a sudden, it begins to take a turn. Well, today I want to recharge you. I want to encourage you. I want you to recalibrate, to refocus, because it's only halftime. It's only halftime. And you may be saying, you know what, I'm doing good this year. I'm okay. Well, it's only halftime. It's only halftime. There's still a lot of time left. I want to recharge you this year. And today we're talking about a very familiar figure. We're talking about Peter. You you know Peter, fisherman Peter. You you know Peter, sword toting, I'll chop your ear off, Peter. You know how crazy you got to be to chop somebody's ear off? You, You know Peter, lying, denying Jesus, Peter. But where we're picking up in Peter's life, he's no longer denying Jesus. He's no longer fishing for fish, but he's fishing for men. He's no longer toting the sword, but he's carrying the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He's not denying Jesus anymore. In fact, he's preaching Jesus. And in one sermon, 3,000 people were saved. Peter's ministry is taken off. His ministry is taken off. He's laying hands on the sick, and they're becoming healed. People are being saved. Lives are being changed. He's considered to be the pastor of the New Testament church. Peter's ministry is taken off. But then all of a sudden, it begins to take a turn. 
Because now King Herod Agrippa, he's not just persecuting Christians anymore. He's not just finding them. He's not just throwing them in prison. But now he's seizing them and he's executing them. One of the disciples, one of the apostles, James, he had already been seized and executed. And Herod, he sees that this pleased the people, so he sets his eyes on Peter. Now, church, let's park right here for a second. Let's pause right here for a second. Because if my main man, if one of my road dogs just got his head chopped off, I'm getting out of Dodge. Like, I'm not sticking around. I'm jumping on my camel and I'm running like the Preakness. Like, like why am I hanging around? They just took his head off. Why, why am I hanging around? Why am I sticking around? But see, Peter had a different type of faith. He had a different type of faith. He knew it was only halftime. Our text today is Acts chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Acts chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Can we get some exercise? Can we jump to our feet for the reading of the word? Acts chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Let's get some exercise. Let's get your body moving. And the word read is this. About that time, Herod, the king, laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on the very night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains and centuries before the door, were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on his side and woke him up, saying, Get up, quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you, God, right now because it's a sensitive time. I ask that you allow your spirit to just bully the atmosphere if you have to. Allow my mouth to be your mouth, my words to be your words, my spirit to be your spirit. Decrease me, God, so the people of God may see you. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so up until now, the church has had a successful streak. I mean, it was conversion after conversion after conversion. And Peter, he's the most prominent figure within the church at this time. He's considered to be the pastor of the New Testament church. But there were still a lot of people who hated Christians. And Herod, he's now far removed from just afflicting them. But now he knows that they can gain favor amongst the devout Jews if he starts to try and take the church out. Isn't it funny how people will try to take you out to gain favor with somebody else? Isn't it funny how people will direct all their hate towards you like, uh-uh, girl. I don't know who she thinks she is. She walking around here in purpose and all that. Let's try to stop. Isn't it funny how people will try to direct all their hate towards you? But understand, ain't nobody hating on you if you're not doing anything. If you're not doing anything, if you're not about nothing, ain't nobody hating on you. Wasn't nobody worried about Peter when he was just fishing for fish. Wasn't nobody hating on him when he was just a fisherman. But the moment you start walking in purpose, the moment you start doing what God has called you to do, that's when all the hating shows up. That's always something or someone that tries to stop you. And Herod was nothing but a hater because the church was doing good. 
The church was moving. It was growing. God was doing his thing. And then here comes Herod. Here comes the hater. But God wants you to know that your purpose is too important to be worried about some haters. So here's what you say when the haters show up. Hate on. I don't care what you say about me. Hate on. I don't care how you feel about me. Hate on. I don't even care what you think about me. Hate on. I don't got time to be worried about you because if God's on my side, no man can stand against me. If God be for me, nothing can stop me. God's got me. Hate on. Hate on. Everybody shout that. Say hate on. Herod was nothing but a hater. Him and the devout Jews They were doing nothing but hating. But Herod, he knew that he could boost his likes. This was their their Facebook, their Instagram. He knew that he could boost his likes amongst the devout Jews if he executed the church. So he seizes Peter and he stuffs him in a prison. And he doesn't just deliver him over to two squads of soldiers. He doesn't just deliver him over to three squads of soldiers. He delivers him over to four squads of soldiers. Can you imagine the uncertainty of the church. Can you? This was their leader. He was the one God chose to spearhead the church, to lead his people. James had already been taken out, and now Peter's next on the chopping block. Can you imagine the uncertainty of the church? Because now their leader is next on the chopping block. But see, the church, even though they felt uncertain, even though there was a little uneasiness among them, they knew they had a game changer. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. But earnest prayer was made for him to God by the church. Break it down. Earnest means to reach out. It means fervent prayer, to really stretch out towards it. But it's not something that you do just once. It's a continuous stretching out or reaching out. And usually when you see the word but, what it does, it negates everything that comes before it. It wipes out everything that comes before it. That's like if I was to say, well, you know, I plan to lose some weight this year, but I like to eat. I like to eat, so that's impossible. (laughs) But usually when you see the word but, what it does, it negates everything that comes before it. It wipes out everything that comes before it. Peter is seized by the soldiers, but prayer negates everything that comes before it. He's thrown in prison, but prayer negates everything that comes before it. He's next on the chopping block, but prayer negates everything that comes before it. See, I thought I was going to quit yesterday, but prayer. I thought I was going to throw in the towel, but prayer. I thought I was going to give in, but prayer. Anybody else have some but prayer moments this year? Anybody have some but prayer moments? Like, I don't know how God's going to work it out, but prayer. Money's funny, but prayer. Family's going crazy, but prayer. Kids going crazy. Trust me, I know about that. I got three of them. Kids going crazy, but prayer. See, Jesus didn't say pray when you feel like it. He said men are to always pray because prayer is a game changer. Prayer is a game changer. I can remember the night my daughter was born, Carly was born, and Chelsea, she's in active labor, and we're in the car on the way to the hospital. And I remember this feeling of uncertainty showing up because Carly was on her way whether we were ready for her or not. And if you know my daughter, you know she's the same way. She tries to do what she wants, when she wants to, whether we are ready for her or not. (laughs) But, But I remember this feeling of uncertainty, this feeling of nervousness setting in. 
Because now Chelsea's over in the passenger seat holding the arm bar doing pull-ups. And I remember saying to God, God, please let us make it to the hospital. Please let us make it there because if I got to deliver this baby, Chelsea's going to have to carry me in the hospital. <laughs> but thank God that he answers prayers. Because we made it there, but get this, only to the triage room. Carly could wait no longer. But do you see how my uncertainty called forth prayer? And the church, regardless of their uncertainty, regardless of the uneasiness they felt, they knew they had a game changer. They knew they can consult with the coach. And usually during halftime, when, 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 when the team needs to recharge, when they need to recalibrate or refocus, they consult with the coach. I'll say it again. Usually during halftime, when the team needs to recharge, to refocus or recalibrate, they consult with the coach. But so many times we try to do it ourselves. We try to handle it ourselves. When uncertainty shows up, we try to use strength to do it. We try to use power. We try to use might. We try to use strength. But the Bible says not by might, not by strength, but by his spirit. By his spirit. No amount of force would have got Peter out. The jail was heavily guarded. He was delivered over to four squads of soldiers. He was heavily guarded. They couldn't bum rush the door. They couldn't rush past the soldiers. No amount of force would have got Peter out. But get this, all the while, everything was shut up. All the while, everything else was locked up. The church was still free to pray. And prayer is a game changer. And the moment you realize the power of prayer, the moment you realize that you can consult with the coach, that consulting with the coach, consulting with Jesus will change the game, then when uncertainty shows up, you'll pray. When uneasiness shows up, you'll pray. When you don't know which step to take, you'll pray. When you don't know which move to make, you'll pray. Because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. But how do we communicate? Through prayer. Through prayer. Prayer is a game changer. But remember, it doesn't matter if things are going good. Because some of us might be saying, you know, things are going great. I don't know what you're talking about. It's only halftime. It's only halftime. Don't stop now. Consult with the coach. Don't stop now. Consult with the coach. Because prayer shows up when uncertainty shows up. Uncertainty calls for prayer. Verse 6. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and centuries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and they like shone in the prison. He struck Peter on the side, woke him up, saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. So Peter, he's, he's bound between two soldiers. He's bound to a soldier on the left, and he's bound to a soldier on the right. He's chained and connected to a soldier by hand on the left, and he's chained and connected to a soldier by hand on the right. So if Peter sneezes wrong, they can feel him move. So escaping, that's out of the question. But Peter isn't worrying about escaping. Peter is knocked out. And some of you may remember uh, some time ago, I said, I know what it feels like to be really knocked out like that. Because when Chelsea used to wake up with the kids in the middle of the night, I was knocked out. But nowadays, it seems like the roles are reversed. Because when they wake up, I'm up with them, and Chelsea is knocked out. Some days, I think she's playing sleep, for real, y'all. 
But, but Peter, he's not, he's not pretending to be asleep. He is knocked out, probably dreaming about being free. But me, I would have been up all night like, God, really, what's up? Like, no, really, I thought we were cool. I'm doing what you told me to do, walking in purpose. How in the world did I end up in prison chained between these two jokers? But Peter, he isn't doing any of that. He isn't dealing with worry. He isn't dealing with uncertainty. Peter is knocked out because faith will calm you when everything else says worry. Faith will calm you when everything else says worry. Because a lot of people wouldn't have blamed Peter if he would have been uncertain, if he would have had some uncertainty, some anxiety. A lot of people wouldn't have blamed Peter if he'd have had some worry because it seems as if this was the end for Peter. It seems as if the curtain was closing on Peter's life. But Peter is knocked out. The soldier sees him. The soldier said worry. He's thrown in prison. The prison said worry. He's next on the chopping block. The executioner says worry. But Peter's faith says sleep. And Peter is asleep all night long. So on one hand, you have the church up praying all night. And on the other hand, you have Peter sleep, resting in faith all night. On one hand, you have prayer. On the other hand, you have faith. Prayer and faith. Prayer and faith. And when you mix these two together, that's when the power of God shows up. Because prayer sends the request to God, but faith pulls down the answer from God. Prayer sends the request to God, but your faith will pull down the answer from God. So if you really want to see God move, if you really want to see the impossible done, Pray with faith. Stop praying and praying and praying with no expectation, but pray that God will show up. Because the Bible says, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it and you shall receive it. In other words, if I pray with faith, God will move. If I pray with faith, God will show up. So enough with this weak, generic prayer. This world is in need of fervent prayer. This word is in need of radical prayer. Prayer that says, I know God's got it. Prayer that says, I will not move until he bless my soul because my faith says he's got it. My faith says God's is in control. So uncertainty has to go. Worry has to go because my faith will calm me when everything else says worry. My faith will calm me when everything else says worry. Peter knew that they were guarding the prison. He could feel himself chained to the soldiers. But Peter isn't worried about what's to come. He isn't worried about what's happening. Peter is knocked out. And so many of us, we're so worried about what's to come. We're so worried about what's going on that we're up stressing all night long. But Peter's sleeping. But we're so worried about what's to come. We're so worried about what's happening. We're walking around with a lack of faith that we're up stressing all night long. But I tell you today, if you pray with faith, God will show up. Because the moment prayer and faith were mixed, here comes the angel. Here comes the angel. And in fact, Peter is so knocked out, he's such in a deep sleep, the angel has to strike him to get him up. Oh, God, that's good right there. That, that's so good right there. That's some good sleep. That's a I don't have any children type of sleep. <laughs> that's some good sleep. He probably was dreaming also. But the reason why Peter is such in a deep sleep, the reason why he's so comfortable is because he has faith that God will show up. And what he had faith for came looking for him. And if you drop down a few verses, you find out that the church was praying for Peter. And Peter showed up where they were. Peter was looking for them. <laughs> Y'all missed it. The church was praying for Peter. Peter showed up where they were praying at. Peter was looking for them. Peter had faith in God. 
God showed up where Peter was. Peter went looking for him. And what God is telling us is what you've been praying for, what you had faith for, you won't have to go looking for it, but it will come looking for you. It will come. The church prayed for Peter. Peter went looking for them. Peter had faith in God. God went looking for him. What you've been praying for, what you had faith for, you won't have to go looking for it, but it will come looking for you. Drop down to verse 12. When he realized, and since we're talking about Peter, let's say Peter. When Peter realized this, Peter went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Where many were gathered together and were praying. So the church was praying for Peter. Peter came looking for them. Peter had faith in God. God came looking for him. What you've been praying for, what you've had faith for, you won't have to go looking for it, but it'll come looking for you. But, but Peter is so knocked out, the angel strikes him. Get up. Put on your clothes. Grab your coat and let's go. Put on your shoes. And that reminds me of my grandmother. Let's go. Put on your coat. Put on your shoes and let's go. In other words, get yourself together. Get ready for what you've had faith to receive. Get yourself together. Get yourself ready to have faith what you, to, to, to get what you had faith for. But Peter, the text lets us know that he doesn't even know what he's seeing is real or not. He thought he was seeing a vision. Well, all throughout the Bible, vision refers to dream. Dream refers to vision. And Peter was probably dreaming about being freed. That's why when the angel showed up to free him, he didn't know whether it was real or not. But the text lets us know that Peter said, there came a time where I realized that God has delivered me. Well, what are you saying, Tyrell? Peter went from dreaming about being freed to actually being freed. He went from dreaming about something to doing exactly what he dreamed about. And maybe you had dreams for this year. Maybe you had visions this year. Well, just like Peter went from dreaming it to walking in it, so shall you go from dreaming it to walking in it. So shall you go from seeing it to walking in it. As long as it's in God's will, it will happen. As long as it's in God's will, it will come to pass because anything is possible when God is in it. Anything is possible when God is in it. Don't stop now. Peter, Peter, he knew that they were there, but what he didn't know is what was going on. All he knows is that God said, get up, so he got up. All he knows is that God said, get ready, so he got ready. All he knows is God said, follow him, so he followed him. And maybe you may not fully understand what's going on in your life right now, but you cannot stop now, because God's not through with you yet. He's not finished with you yet. Your latter days will be greater than your former days. You are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. The Bible says, he who has begun a good work in you will finish it. Don't stop now. Don't stop now. It doesn't matter if things are going good. It doesn't matter if things aren't going good. You cannot stop now. It's only halftime. There's still a lot of time left. And the enemy knows that you're going to relax on halftime. He knows that you're going to relax on halftime, and that's when he's going to slide in. But God said, if you pray with faith, I'll show up. I'll show up with anybody else not knowing that I showed up. He was chained between two soldiers, but the chains fell off. How did they not feel it? God is saying, what you've been dreaming about, people's been sleeping on you. But what you've been dreaming about, I will make come to pass if you pray with faith. Because the text says this, when they got to the gate, 
the very last gate to get out, the iron gate, they didn't have to push at it. They didn't have to tug at it. But it opened on its own accord. Translation, it opened automatically. Not by might, not by strength, but by his spirit. And if you pray with faith, Peter, he dreamt about being freed. Then he actually walked in being freed. And what you've been dreaming about, if you pray with faith, as long as it's in God's will, you'll walk in it. You'll walk in it. But the question is, what is your prayer life like? How strong is your faith? Because Peter's faith was so strong that he can sleep when the very next morning he was set for execution. The church can jump to their knees. My, 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 my personal takeaway from this is that why did it cause for Peter to be next on the chopping block? Why did it cause for James to be executed in order for the church to pray? In order for the church to pray. Could it be some things are set up to drive you to prayer? To drive you to consult with the coach? Because he knows it's only halftime. And the enemy's setting up a new game plan. Could it be that your faith is what's going to lead you out? Walk by faith, not by sight. He didn't know what was going on. But he walked by faith, not by sight. But there came a time when he realized it. My question to you is, when are you going to realize that God's on your side? When are you going to realize that God is for you, not against you? When are you going to realize that the enemy cannot do anything to you unless he gets permission from God? When are you going to realize that? There were more than one person asked God, did it Satan ask God to have? He asked God to have Peter. Jesus said, he, Satan asked to sip you like a grain of wheat, but Peter wasn't ready. He asked for Job. God said, go ahead and have him because I know who he is. I know what I'm going to do for him. And after he went through that situation, after he went through that little imprisonment, after he went through that little time of uncertainty, God restored to him double than what he had. What are you dreaming about? What do you have faith for? What did God place on your heart at the beginning of this year? Are you going to lay it to the side? Or are you going to keep going? Don't stop now. We've all had but prayer moments. But God didn't bring us this far to leave us right here. What have you been praying for? What have you been seeking God for? Let's pray. <laughs>